0: Pues me siento muy orgullosa de estar aquí con todos ustedes y me siento muy, me siento muy excited. (laughs) Welcome to the Spooky Electric Podcast by me, Trent Finnegas. You need another podcast like you need another hole in your head. So, here we go. Hola, es hora una vez más de otro episodio de Spooky Electrico. Yes, it is time once again for another episode of Spooky Electric. And as you can tell by my horrid attempt at Spanish speaking, uh the uh, topic of this week's episode is non-English songs or foreign language songs. Um I'm not exactly sure where I got the idea to do this episode. Uh it's been on my list for a while. Uh but recently I was listening to um just my music on random and a lot of Selena came up. And I noticed that some other songs were coming up in foreign languages and I thought, oh, what a great idea for an episode. So I guess that's where the idea started. And then I took my time to really listen to uh, the music in my, um, in my library, to select the uh, my favorite songs, The ones that I've been listening to for many, many years, coupled with newer songs in uh, foreign language that I've come to love in more recent times. And I finally came up with the playlist that I feel represents a nice collection of foreign language pop songs for me to talk about. The languages featured... Uh, in the songs in this episode and the accompanying playlist are Spanish. There are three Spanish songs. French. There are six French songs. German. There are five German songs. Japanese. There are three Japanese songs. Icelandic. There's one. Turkish. There's one. And Loxian, which is a fictional language, there is one. So I will run through uh, the playlist that I have uh, put together for this episode and then talk about each of the songs and why I selected them. So this episode is pretty much going to be pretty straightforward, um, except for the novelty that all of the songs are foreign language. It's just a collection of my favorite songs that are in foreign language. Um, the first... Okay, so let's, let's get to the playlist. Uh, as you heard in the intro to this episode, that is a uh, portion of the movie Selena, which stars Jennifer Lopez, was released in 1997, and tells the life story of the late Tejano pop star Selena Quintanilla, And it's from the scene in the movie where Selena was going to Mexico for her first big concert there. And as they talk about often in the movie, Selena and her family are American, grew up here in the United States. And uh, her father tells her that Here in the United States, they'll never be American enough because they're Mexican. And then when they go to Mexico, uh, they'll never be Mexican enough because they're American. And that's the dichotomy of what Chicanos uh, kind of deal with in this country. My family is Mexican-American. We are Chicano. And I will say from my personal experience, that isn't something that I've experienced, but I grew up in Michigan, which is, you know, really, really far away from Mexico. Whereas, uh, the Quintanilla family grew up in Texas, you know, miles away from Mexico. So that experience is what, uh, they experienced. So, uh, Selena insists that she is able to handle the uh, press conference with the Mexican reporters who've come to interview her, and she individually and personally greets every single one of them, and then when they ask her a question in Spanish, and she answers, she stumbles a little bit and speaks a little English, but it comes across as charming, and she Charms, the, the Mexican press, and, and, all of, and all of that worked well in her favor. So that's what the little portion of the intro that I played before this episode started. And Selena is the artist who is the first on this playlist. So the Selena song that I selected is "Bitty Bitty Bum Bum, which is probably my favorite Selena song. Like, I love a lot of Selena's music. And I came to know Selena after she passed away. So growing up in Michigan, as I mentioned, far away from the border of Mexico, I was not personally aware of how big of an artist that she was, but uh, my family and my cousins in Texas and in Corpus Christi and Aransas Pass, Texas in particular, We're very well aware of how big of a pop star Selena was, both, you know, in in the United States and in Mexico, and when she passed away, uh, when she was murdered, uh, news broke, and I remember thinking, "Who who is this person?" And you know, I had family members tell me, "Oh my God, like Selena, she's like the queen," and it wasn't until the movie came out that I really came to appreciate what we had lost and what I lost as a music fan, having never really known her music uh, until she was already gone. So I credit that movie with giving me an education in who Selena is, and it gave me a jumping off point into going into learning about her more and spending time with her entire music catalog, which is mostly in Spanish. So f- most of Selena's music is in Spanish. It was only uh, at the end of her career when she uh, started recording English language songs and her English language crossover album wasn't even finished uh, before she was murdered. And I'm, I'm just not going to get into that whole story because it's sad, it's tragic, it's infuriating. Um, let's just focus on how amazing Selena, as an artist, will forever be, and let's talk about Bidi bom Bom. So, this was the first Spanish-language Selena song that I truly loved. Uh, while I didn't know her music before her death, my cousins in Texas did, and they were the biggest fans. I fell in love with her truly after the movie. I remember I watched that movie at least... I want to say at least five times in the theater. I cried every single time. I remember seeing it with friends and I would go by myself and I would purposely sit away from people so I could quietly cry by myself uh, at the end. Um, I still watch it any chance that I get. It's one of those movies that you catch, you know, on a... Weekend Afternoon on VH1 or TNT or TBS or, or whatever, HBO, whenever it comes on uh, and I catch it, I tend to watch it and at least watch it from the point that I catch it. Uh, I believe it's also available on streaming, so if I'm ever in the mood, I can just queue it up. It's one of those movies that you can watch over and over and over again. Uh so, Selena herself said in an interview that the title Biddy Biddy Bom Bom is, quote, the sound the heart makes when you see a man pass by. It sounds like bitty Biddy Boom Boom. So, she's saying it's like thump, thump, thump. You know, like the sound that a, a beating heart makes when someone is in love and they see someone that they're in love with. Which I think is super, super cute. Um, the song is catchy. And because the song is so great as a pop song, even though I didn't understand the Spanish, uh, I gravitated toward it immediately. And let me give one quick thing about Spanish and my non-mastery of it and why that is if I am Mexican. Uh, Growing up in the suburbs of Detroit... Uh, We were the only, you know, Mexican-American family in the neighborhood, and I don't even remember there being a lot of Mexican kids at my schools, so I desperately wanted to fit in, and I wanted to stay as far away from Spanish as possible. I remember when my parents would be out and they would speak to one another in Spanish or they would ask me a question in Spanish or something. I would be so embarrassed and I would, you know, chide them for not speaking English. But uh, I grew up in the church and the church that we went to was Spanish speaking. So our Sunday school was in English, but the whole rest of it was in Spanish. And I remember completely zoning out, like just not paying attention. I, I wanted nothing to do with it. When I went to high school and college, I took French, I took Latin, I even took German uh, as my foreign language classes. And I regret that now because as an adult living here in California, I often have uh, older people, or people in general will see me in a store and they'll ask me a question in Spanish because they don't speak English. And I have to very embarrassingly tell them that I don't understand, I don't speak Spanish. I will say that I have managed to pick up Spanish just by listening to it, so I understand more than I can speak. My pronunciation is horrible, as you can attest by my attempt to speak Spanish at the beginning of this episode. So that's why my dumbass doesn't know Spanish. But I will say that in my fandom of Selena and falling in love with her music and other Spanish pop songs, um, I have long since grown an appreciation for the language. And I don't know if I'll ever formally sit down and try and learn Spanish, but I do feel comfortable with the well, maybe not comfortable because like I said, I wish I would know more. So if someone asked me a question, I could at least answer them or lead them, give them an answer in Spanish that would lead them to get the help that they're asking for. But it is what it is. And here we are. So I've actually learned Spanish from listening to Selena and um, to wrap up talking about Selena. Um, I have to say that I'm super excited for the Netflix series that's coming out this December which will tell more of her life story. So while the Selena film told her life story in a two-hour time period, the Netflix series will tell her life story in at least eight to ten hours over the course of the series. And then if it goes into future seasons, which I I don't know. I don't know if they're planning to tell her whole story with one season or if they're going to leave it open where they can do multiple seasons. But someone as beloved as Selena and someone with as many rich stories as her life held, I can see how a Selena series could run for more than just one season. Okay. Track two is Je veux te voir by Yell: yell Y-E-L-L-E, is probably my favorite French pop star. I've been a fan for her, of hers for years since her album Pop-Up was released and I honestly don't know what in the hell she's singing in her songs. While I took French in high school and in college, uh, I have a very rudimentary, basic understanding of French, both, you know, understanding it and speaking it. And obviously, as a French fluent French speaker, Yelts, Things, you know, fast and using big words and I don't really understand what she's saying, but um, I learn her songs phonetically. So this song, Je veux te voir, I kind of sing along in my car when I'm listening to it, but only because I'm mimicking the words phonetically, not because I actually know what she's saying. I've seen Yell in concert a couple of times. And she's fantastic. For sure, I saw her at the Wiltern, and I know I saw her at the Roxy. I'm not sure if I saw her more than just those two times. But she really is a great, great pop star. Like, she's, she's got great energy. Her musics are fun. And uh, she puts on a great show. Uh, the title of this song translates to I Want to See You. And it's kind of a diss track. Which she wrote as an answer to uh, some French rap groups, and in particular the rapper Cruzinier from the group TTC. Uh, it the lyrics of the song mock his sexual prowess and his sexual organ <laughs> relentlessly. Uh, though Yell has stated in interviews that this is not it's not a disc track, but a funny track with lots of references. So the way I understand it, um, this rapper Cruzinier and these other rappers, you know, have would sing about some things and they'd be kind of derogatory. I'm not sure if they're derogatory towards Yell herself or towards women, but something like that. And she decided to write a, in her words, uh, uh, a funny track, but it's kind of a disc track, where she, you know, takes aim at this guy and makes fun of him. Uh, The song was originally posted on MySpace under the title Short Dick Cousy. So that kind of gives you some context of what inspired the song and what she's really saying when she sings Je te voir." Great song. It's really, really fun. Um, I really hope that this playlist is one that all of you listen to because you know, you may not know these songs. And as I said, even if you don't understand the actual uh, lyrics that are being sung, these are great songs, and I think that you will enjoy them even not understanding exactly what is being said. Track three is Du Hast by Remstein. Uh, this is probably the most famous Ramstein song, the second single from their second album, and the title translates to You Have. The gist of Du Hast is hum- homophonous. So Du Hast means you have, and Du Hast means you hate. So the song could be translated to be you have, or you hate. And that's the, that's the intention. That's the play on words that the title refers to. They sound the same. It's ambiguous, as in the chorus, which you have no doubt uh, mangled in an abattoir of vowels whenever you've sung it. So it's actually like, you have, you hate, or you hate, you have, you know, it's that thing. I'm sure it makes total sense in German. And considering how weird the English language is and how we have homophones and homophonous words and all of that, uh, I'm I'm assuming that this explanation isn't super illuminating. It might sound even confusing. But I mean, you can do your, your own research on it if you want more clarity. But the gist of it is the title could be taken two ways. And the song itself is about loyalty and whatever. I mean, it's, it's Rammstein's biggest song. It's the one that broke them into, you know, the American public consciousness, or at least the top 40. Uh, It's been featured in films. And I think, I think something about the way, the quote unquote sinister way that German sounds, that that's what gave, gives it a little bit more bite So in the late 90s, when industrial music and, you know, harder music was was really coming to to the forefront, here comes this German band who, you know, they look all, you know, they're wearing all black and they're singing Du, Du hast, Du hast mich, Du hast mich. Like, it's very um, German. And I think that that's what the appeal was. And it's a great song. It's one of the songs that I would... Dance to whenever it was played at my favorite goth club back in Detroit, City Club. And if I'm ever at a goth dance party and Du Hast comes on, I am out on the dance floor, stomping around in my combat boots, uh, living my best life. Track four is Pour tout même encore by Céline Dion. This is the first French Céline song that I loved. Uh, I became a huge fan of Celine after her debut American album, and I bought anything and everything that she released, and that's when I realized, oh, she has all these records that she released years before she debuted in America, when she was younger, and around the time, I want to say, 93, 94, something like that, her album, D, came out, D, Aposh, Eux," which... um, is also a a play on on words it means two um or it could be translated as two um as i mentioned i took french in high school and i felt proud that i could kind of understand what she was singing about and it was also around this time that i read anne rice's book interview with a vampire completely in french because you know again i was studying it in high school and um this French album De by Celine Dion was one of my favorites because A, I love Celine Dion, and B, all the songs were in French. The title translates to Because You Love Me Again, and uh, it was the lead single from her French language album De. She also recorded this song in English uh, titled If That's What It Takes and included it on her 1996 album Falling Into You. Uh, which is far inferior to this French version, in my opinion. This song topped the French charts for 12 weeks. Uh, The English version of this song is the same music, but the lyrics are different. The gist of the song is different because it didn't translate exactly to what the original French version is. And I just don't like it. Maybe it's because I've loved the French version for so long that when I hear the English version, it sounds like a fake, But it's, I would bet very good money that most American Celine Dion fans heard the English version first and may find the French version jarring. But I'm telling you, I mean, I, 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 you know, even listening to them both, I think the song works better in French. Uh, Pour que tu m'aimes encore. It's one of Celine's songs that I can sing the whole way through. I'm not gonna torture you now by attempting to sing for you now but just trust me. Um, Like I said, I was a big Celine Dion fan, you know, for the first, I want to say 10 years of her career. I loved everything, all of her singles, all of her albums, um, all the way up to Titanic. I think uh, that Titanic song is kind of what turned me off to Celine for a little while. I just didn't like that movie. That song was just everywhere and it just, ugh. But up until uh, My Heart Will Go On, I was a huge Celine Dion fan. And Por Qu'est is one of my favorite uh, Celine Dion songs in English or in French. And that's why I had to include it on this playlist for you here. Track five is Algo Tienes by Paulina Rubio. This is the first and really only Paulina song that I love. And I don't even know how I found it, but it's a very infectious song and I love it to this day. The title translates to You Have Something. Uh, I do remember seeing it on MTV, so I think that that's kind that's where I found it, because for sure I didn't hear about it on the radio, and I can't imagine that I was like, oh, look at this Spanish album that I'll buy. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw the video or heard the song on, because of MTV, and it was such an infectious song that I was like, oh, I need to buy that. Um, Although Algotienes did not reach the U.S. US Billboard Hot 100, it did manage to reach number 21 on the bubbling under Hot 100 chart. So just, you know, shy of making the Hot 100. And it did go to number 4 on the Hot Latin Songs chart, becoming the album's second consecutive top 10 single. Uh, And number 1 on the Latin Pop Airplay album. Uh, Paulina's na- full name is Paulina Susana Rubio Dosamentes, which is such a, a Mexican name, which is like long and complicated. Uh, those, that's my people, y'all. Uh, and she's a, Mex- a Mexican pop star. And this song is from her seventh album, Paulatina. So Paulatina, which is a play on Paulina and Paulina Latina. You get what I'm saying? Uh, I do remember not loving the whole album as much as I love this song. So while I may not be the biggest Paulina Rubio fan, I really do love this song. And when I was putting together this playlist, I knew that this had to be on it. Uh, And no shade to Paulina, but Selena will always have my heart. She will always be my favorite uh, Mexican pop star, Tejano pop star, Mexican-American pop star, um, Spanish-language pop star. Yeah. Okay, track six is Rock Me Amadeus by Frontline Assembly. So this is a cover. Rock Me Amadeus was originally a Falco song. Uh, this is a cover of the German original song by Falco, which was released in 1985. It topped the singles charts on both sides of the Atlantic. It was Falco's only number one hit in both the United States and the United Kingdom, uh, despite the artist's popularity in his native Austria. It was originally recorded in German. Uh, the song is about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, his popularity, and his debts. There's a longer version, eight minutes, the Salieri mix, which I am not... Fe- I did... So, the... The... um. The single edit of the song is not available on streaming, or at least I couldn't find it, the original Falco version. But this longer eight-minute version is. And, I, you know, it doesn't really add much to the song, I don't think, which is why I'm so glad I found this Frontline Assembly cover, because this version absolutely captures the spirit of the original, and it's a little fresher, because... It was released just last year on Frontline Assembly's new album. Uh, this song was inspired by the movie Amadeus, which was a big hit here in the United States back in the 80s. And um, it, was never, it was never released. There was never a full English version released. Uh, so any version of uh, Rock Me Amadeus that you'll hear is probably going to be entirely in German. Or mostly German. And as I said, I love the industrial band Frontline Assembly, and I love this, this cover version. Uh, and the vocals of this version are sung by uh, Jimmy Urine from Mindless Self-Indulgence. And again, this just came out last year. So it's a great cover of a great German song. Uh, and track seven is Der Commissar by Falco. So even though I couldn't feature the Falco version of Rock Me Amadeus, I did want to feature Falco on this playlist. So I went with his other big hit, Der Commissar, which was first recorded by Falco in Austria in 1981. It was covered a year later by After the Fire. And then in the United States and the United Kingdom, Falco's version did not perform as well despite topping charts throughout Europe and Scandinavia in early 82. But here in the U S the British rock band after the fire recorded the, their English version also called "Their Commissar and released it as a single. Uh, it did fairly well here in the United States, the after the fire English version, uh, you know, it, it made the billboard hot 100 and, uh, And although its version barely nicked their home country's top 50, in 1983, the song's music video received extensive airplay on MTV, propelling its popularity on U.S. radio. The song entered American Top 40 on March 5th, 1983, and peaked at number five, and remained in the top 40 for a total of 14 weeks. The title translates to the commissioner or the police chief. Also of note is um, another cover of this song, Der Commissar, by a band called Option 30. I think that's the band's name. And you may have never heard of Option 30, but uh, I can tell you that Option 30 was one of Trent Reznor's bands before he started Nine Inch Nails. Um... I remember, I want to say in the 90s, maybe it was the early 2000s, I found a bootleg version of the Option 30 album. I don't even think they released a real album. I think this bootleg was just a compilation of their recordings up to that point because there's interview and, interviews and songs on the on the CD. And Durk Hamasar is one of the songs that they cover. And as a little treat, I'm going to play a little bit of... Option 30's cover of Der Commissar featuring Trent Reznor now. I don't She was younger, got. to the and I knew that she was. Believe me, I wish that the Option 30 slash Trent Reznor version was available on streaming because I think that's probably what I would put on the playlist. But then poor Falco would have, none of, would have sung none of his songs on this playlist. So uh, you can hear Falco's Der Commissar uh, on the playlist. Uh, but I did want to play for you a little bit of Trent Reznor and his band Option 30 covering Der Commissar here in the podcast. Um, so good, right? Okay, track eight is C'est Si Bon by Eartha Kitt. Uh, C'est Si Bon, si bon, si bon is a French popular song composed in 1947 by Henri Betty with lyrics by André Honèse. Uh In 1953, Eartha Kitt recorded the song in French with Henri René and his orchestra for her album That Bad Eartha. Uh, Cessy Bon translates to It Is So Good. And it's just such a sexy song. Like, I love Eartha Kitt. I fell in love with Eartha Kitt when she played Catwoman in the 1960s Batman series. For me, ultimately, she is the epitome of Catwoman. Just her in the outfit, her her sexy voice, um, her just... Ugh, her long black ponytail. Ugh, like, that is Catwoman to me. Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman in 1992's Batman Returns is also the quintessential Catwoman for me. So, like, I, I always struggle. Who is, who is the number one Catwoman for me? And I've come to the realization that Eartha Kitt is, like, the epitome of Catwoman... The character and Michelle Pfeiffer is the epitome of like the modern Catwoman so they are both Catwoman to me I love them equally for much different reasons and so anyway so that's how I fell in love with Eartha Kitt as a person and then as I grew up and I realized that she was a singer um you know I just love her voice she's like a sexy voice and her singing in French is just like to die for. So, every time I, you know, I own a lot of records, and I'm doing my best to collect all of her, her records on vinyl, and when I started thinking about, like, my favorite foreign language songs, anything sung by Eartha Kitt in any language is going to be one of my favorite songs. And saint Bon" is my, uh, probably my favorite right now of her French language songs. I recently heard the Dean Martin rendition of the song, which he sings in English. And you know, no offense to Dino, but it is not as good as Eartha's version. And this is probably this the one song in this playlist that I play out, listen to on repeat. Like when I make a playlist, I listen to it a few times to try to get a sense of like the flow and to have it spark some, you know, memories for me to talk about when I'm doing an episode. And you know, I'll I'll play Saint Bon and then I'll play it again and again and again before I, I go on to the next song. So I don't know. Great song. Uh track nine is Sunday Girl by Blonde Blondie. And Sunday Girl is a uh, a song that, that the band released in English and then they recorded it in French as a B-side. Uh Sunday Girl was written solely by Blondie guitarist Chris Stein and Chris said that he was, uh, he wrote it all by himself, but he was nervous about having his own song on a Blondie record. So he asked Debbie Harry to put her name on it. But then ultimately, he they decided that the credit should go to him in the long run. Chris says that he wrote the song for Debbie's cat, who was named Sunday Man. Uh, and Stein explains, quote, the cat ran away. We were very sad. It was just sort of a plaintive, evocative number. Uh, Blondie recorded a French-language version of the track, and this version was released in the UK on the Sunday Girl 12-inch single. In France and the Netherlands, it was the B-side of the 7-inch Sunday Girl single, and it was released as the follow-up single to Heart of Glass in the UK and much of Europe. The single reached number one in the UK, topping the charts for three weeks in May 1979. And despite the commercial success abroad, the song was not released as a single here in the United States. And that's pretty much talking about the English language version. So the French version is kind of a little bit of a novelty. It's a novelty to us. I'm sure it did very well in uh, the countries of Europe, French-speaking countries of Europe. And it's a great, rendition of the song i think it fairly translates well to what the original english lyrics are i'm not entirely sure but um whether you're listening to sunday girl in english or you're listening to sunday girl in french it's a great song all the way around blondie is one of the greatest bands of all time and Christine wrote a really fantastic song for debbie harry's cat which i think is very cute Track 10 is Twiggy Twiggy by Patu Fu, which is a cover of a Pizzicato 5 song. And this for sure, if the Pizzicato 5 original version of Twiggy Twiggy was available on streaming, that's what I would be featuring here on this playlist. But to Patu Fu's credit, this cover is a very good, fairly straightforward cover of the original song in Japanese. Pizzicato 5 is a Japanese pop band formed in Tokyo in 1979 by multi-instrumentalists Yushiharu Konishi and Kitaro Takanami. The band gained international fame as a duo consisting of Konishi and vocalist Maki Numiya after Kitaro left the group. And Patufu is a Brazilian indie rock band. The band is famous for their 2010 album, Musica de briquendo, which was written using only toy instruments. So this version of Twiggy Twiggy is recorded with only toy instruments. And as I said, is a very good, very good cover almost, you know, a pretty straightforward cover of the original Pizzicato 5 version. So you can find the Pizzicato 5 version of Twiggy Twiggy on YouTube, for example, or by the CD or the album. And if you play it next to this, like, they sound very close. So Twiggy Twiggy is one of my favorite songs. Uh, again, I'm not sure how I learned of Pizzicato 5. I'm gonna, I'm gonna also give credit to MTV. I feel like it's probably a song... Or a music video that I saw on Alternative Nation or 120 Minutes or something. And even though, you know, it was sung in Japanese, I didn't understand what was being said. But the song is so great that it grabbed me and I loved it anyway. So I remember buying the album and, you know, I I think it was an EP, so the the song is on a, an EP by Pizzicato 5. Oh, I do remember that they were on the Matador record label. And I was obsessed with Matador because they had, you know, put out Liz Fairs albums. And they were like this indie darling uh, record label. So I think that's maybe where I, I heard about Pizzicato 5. And I picked it up because it was a Matador release. Um. So, you know, great song. Tweaky the mini day. Twiki. like I don't even know what I'm saying I'm just you know, again <laughs> phonetically singing along and uh I love the track and I'm so glad that Patufu recorded their cover because it is available on streaming and I can share it with you here on this playlist track 11 is La Vie en Rose by Grace Jones uh Portfolio is the debut album by Grace Jones, which was released in 1977 on Island Records. It spawned her first big hit, La Vie en Rose, uh, which is uh, Jones's very personal reinterpretation of Edith Piaf's La Vie en Rose, which was released as a single, as I said, in autumn 1977. And it became the biggest hit from the album Portfolio, having charted in French and the Italian top five. When it was re-released in 1983, it reached top five in the Netherlands. Uh, I love the original by Edith Piaf. And honestly, when I was thinking about this song, I was originally thinking of the Edith Piaf original. So that was uh, on the working playlist that I was putting together. But then I remembered that Grace Jones did such a great cover, and as much as I love Edith Piaf, like I'm a Grace Jones fan, and I was like, oh yeah, I gotta put the Grace Jones version on the playlist. So that's why I went with Grace Jones's great cover of Edith Piaf's original. Uh, I love Grace Jones more than most humans on earth, so I I just had to put Grace's version of Edith's classic song. The song's title can be translated as Life in Happy Hues or Life Seen Through Happy Lenses or Life in Rosy Hues. It literally translates to Life in Pink uh, and it is likely related to the phrase Looking Through Rose Tinted Glasses. So that's what the song title and the song uh, refer to. Track 12 is Natura by Björk Uh, I and everyone else refer to Bjork as Bjork, but that is the incorrect pronunciation of her name. Her name is actually pronounced Bjork. It rhymes with work, not pork. But as much as I would love to say that I would always refer to Bjork as Bjork, I don't. I call her Bjork like everybody else does because Americans are stupid. Uh, But for the purposes of this episode of foreign language songs and this song, Natura, in particular, I'm going to do my best to refer to Björk as Björk. Uh, This song was written and recorded uh, as a, a single promoting the protection of the Icelandic environment. It is sung in Icelandic. All proceeds from the single were donated to the Natura Foundation, the environmental preservation campaign after which the song is named. It was released on October 20th, 2008 as an iTunes exclusive and had a wide digital release uh, a week later. And then the song was given a physical release the following year on April 20th in 2009 uh, with a white label vinyl version released by Björk's Uh, web shop One Little Indian. The single was included on the deluxe version of Björk's 2011 album Biophilia, which is fantastic. If you don't know this album or know Björk's work, you need to because I'm telling you, a podcast episode about Björk is coming, and I'm quite certain I will refer to her as Björk that entire time. But again, today, she is properly referred to as Björk. Um do, 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 do. Radiohead's Tom York contributed the vocals on Natura. Björk and York previously worked together while recording I Seen It All from Selma Songs, which is the soundtrack album to Dancer in the Dark, uh, one of Björk's movies that she starred in. A f- very depressing movie, by the way. One of the most depressing things I've ever seen. It is such a sad, sad story. I can't watch Dancer in the Dark a lot because like it's just so unbelievably tragic and it's just so hard to watch but it's so Bjork like it's so who she is as an artist anyways so Tom York and Bjork have worked together previously and then he provided the song uh, the vocals for this track um Yorks publicists confirmed that Yorks contributions were made via file sharing during the summer of 2008, which was a big deal because file sharing was like before iTunes, before the really official proliferation of music on the internet, like they were sending files back and forth on peer-to-peer, which is which is great if you think about it now. Yorks voice can be heard as an atmospheric haze in the background of the song. This is Björk's first solo single to be released entirely in Icelandic. It is also the first not to have a corresponding album or video. However, it is bundled with the digital download and included, uh, again, as I said, on the DigiPack edition of Björk's two thousand album *Biophilia*. And the song trans—the song's title translates to "nature," so *natura* means "nature" in Icelandic. What can I say about Björk that? I'm going to actually save for her own podcast episode. But as a um, clue, she is a goddess. She is absolutely one of the most exciting musicians that I've ever been a fan of. She continues to excite to this day in spite of the longevity of her career. Like, she's never gotten stale. She's never gotten boring. And... Anytime she releases something, it is cause for great celebration. So stay tuned for the Björk episode to come. But in the meantime, please enjoy this beautiful Icelandic song, Natura, here on this playlist. Track 13 is Deutsch Schuld by KMFDM, the German industrial band KMFDM. It is from the band's second studio album, What Do You Know, Deutschland, released in 1986. And it was written by Sasha konetsko Raymond Watts, and Anesh. These three are KMFDM to me. KMFDM has evolved over the years and Raymond Watts left the group to be his own artist called Pig. And Anesh has been with KMFDM for many years, but I, I don't know if he's... In it now, I think he went solo as well. Sasha has always been in KMFDM, and in my opinion, KMFDM now sounds very different than they did in the '90s when I really loved them. But even the '90s version of KMFDM sounded very different from the '80s version of KMFDM when they started. And this song, Deutsch Schuld, is from that early '80s period. It is uh, Deutsch Schuld translates to German guilt. And it is basically an instrumental song with German audio samples. So there aren't technically lyrics. It's uh, German industrial, uh, I'm sorry, it's an industrial uh, instrumental song with German audio samples layered on top of it. So there is German heard in the song, but it's not, it's, it, they're not German lyrics. It's very early KMFDM. It is, again, like I said, not representative of the KMFDM that I completely fell in love with in the 90s when they released Nile and um, the Symbols album and all of that. Um, KMFDM is another band that I could do an entire podcast episode on, and I may or may not, but for sure when I do an episode on industrial music and for sure when I do an episode on my favorite music from my favorite goth club, City Club, KMFDM will be featured, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, I definitely wanted to put KMFDM on this playlist because, like I said, they are a German industrial band, and this is a, a great pre- precursor from the 80s of what KMFDM would become in the 90s when I found in love with them. Truly. Uh, track 14 is Dordu Dunya" by She Passed Away. She Passed Away are a Turkish post-punk band formed in 2006. The band was formed in Bursa by Volkan Kanner, who is the vocalist and guitarist, and Idris Akbulut, who is the bass guitar. But in 2015, uh, Idris left the band and Doruk Ozturkan, the producer of the band, joined as the keyboard player. The title Durdu Dunya translates to The World Has Stopped. She Passed Away is one of the newer, more exciting goth bands to come out in recent years. So they formed in 2006, but I didn't hear about them, I want to say 2018 or maybe 2019. Like they're a very new band to me, even though they've been out for a while, obviously in, in Turkey. Um, There's something about their sound and style that totally harkens back to the goth sound of the 80s, and I think that's what I love about them so much. The deep-voiced vocals coupled with the the Turkish lyrics make the songs sound even gothier than if they were sung in English, I think. This band, you know, they're very buzzy. You know, they have played the United States. I remember, I, I think it was last year... They played a small show, and it sold out, like, instantly. Like, I could not get tickets because they sold out. They were planning to come back this year. I did have a ticket for that, and because of COVID, it got canceled. Everything got canceled this year. So it wasn't even rescheduled. So I have yet to see She Passed Away in concert, but I definitely plan to when the world gets back to normal and concerts start happening again. And when she passed away, comes to the U.S. again and to Los Angeles in particular so I can see them because, as I said, they are for sure one of the newer goth bands that I really, really love. And it's hard for me to find new goth bands, new industrial bands, because I spend most of my time listening to all of the music that I've loved my whole life. So I have, like, decades and decades of bands and albums and singles to listen to over and over and over again, which leaves very little time to learn about new 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 bands. Even when I go to clubs with, you know, the younger, you know, the new generation of goth kids, they play the old stuff. They play Nine Inch Nails, they play Marilyn Manson, they play Sue the Banshees, Bauhaus, Skinny Puppy, uh, Alien Sex Fiend. Like, they play all of the you know, the the classic goth industrial bands that I guess they're classic now because, you know, I'm old. But um, you don't really hear a lot of new stuff. So it's hard for me to learn about new stuff. So when, when I found She Passed Away, very, very exciting. And one of the, you know, like I said, really exciting newer goth bands that I really, really love So this song, fantastic. It's a very good representation of what the band sounds like. So if you like this song, check out their album. If you're a Goth fan, you're probably going to love them. And as I said, when you know concerts start happening again, and when they come back to the US, you should see them because for sure, they are, you know in the top five of bands I have to see when we get to see concerts again. Track 15 is Mittagessen by Susie and the Banshees. Uh, it, was, it originally appeared on the band's 1978 debut album, The Scream, as metal postcard. Uh, the track was re-recorded in 1979 with the lyrics sung in German, and it was released as a single in West Germany with Love and Avoid on the B-side. The title Mittagessen is a wordplay based on the German words Mittagessen, which means noon meal or lunch and eisen, which means iron. So, it technically means iron lunch or iron meal. The title was inspired by anti-Nazi German artist, John Hartfield's photo collage, Hurrah, die Butter ist alle, which is Hooray, the butter is finished, which was also used as a single covers, single singles cover art. Mitageisen was composed by Susie Sue, John McKay, Kenny Morris, and Stephen Severin. The lyrics were translated into German by their manager, Dave Woods, and a woman named Renate. And the single was dedicated to the artist, John Hartfield, who created the artwork, which was used as the single's cover art. Um, What can I say about this other than I love Susan the Banshee's? I love, like, their debut album, The Scream, is one of my favorite albums. And Metal Postcard, the English version of this song, is a great song. And then to hear it sung in German gives it that extra oomph that makes the song just so much more strong, in my opinion. So, you know, when I was thinking about my favorite foreign language songs, I was like, "Oh duh, I definitely have to put that Susie the Banshees song on the the playlist, and here it is. So I already talked a lot about how much I love Susie and the Banshees when I did their own episode early on in this podcast inception. So if you missed that, please go back and listen to it because I love Susie, and it 's me talking about how much I love Susie for you know an hour or so." Uh, so any chance that I get to feature Susan the Banshees in any of my podcast episodes, I'm gonna take that opportunity. And I took it here by including Mitageyson on this playlist. Track six, 16 is Saplan pour moi by Plastic Bertrand. It is a 1977 song uh, by Plastic Bertrand. Uh, although its vocals were actually performed by Lou Deprick. The records, producer, and composer. So the song is by Plastic Bertrand, but it's Lou Deprec, who who's singing the actual lyrics on the track. While C'est Plan Pour Moi is mainly regarded as a punk song, it has also been described as a parody punk, um, you know, a new wave parody punk song. The song's name is a French idiomatic expression that is best translated as everything's going well for me, Literally, it translates to, it is gliding for me. Uh, and the song features nonsensical French lyrics which, with occasional lines in English. So it's, it's a, you know, a parody punk song. Like, the song was written to parody what a punk song would sound like if it was sung in French. So that's the vibe that uh, Plastic Bertrand was going for. And... For the longest time, I mean, I didn't know that the lyrics were nonsensical French because, you know, it's in French. So I wasn't entirely sure what was being said, even be- even with my limited French uh, education. So the fact that the lyrics are nonsensical completely makes sense when you consider that the song is meant to be um, a parody punk song if it was sung in French. So, Yeah. Uh, you may recognize this song from some 80s movies. I'm not sure if it was used in any John Hughes films, but probably. Like, it's definitely featured in some in movies of that era. So that's where I first heard it. And then I remember um, I got this really great box set called New Wave something. Like, it's a New Wave box set of just, like, New Wave hits. And this song uh, is on it. And I was like, yeah, like, that song is fantastic. So on to this playlist it goes. Track 17 is The Loxian Gate by Enya. Uh, And it's sung in Loxian. Loxian is a fictional artistic language and alphabet created by the Irish poet and lyricist Roma Ryan. And she created it for Enya. She created the language during the production of Enya's sixth solo studio album, Amarantine, which was released in 2005. The name Loxian was taken from the epithet of the Greek and Roman god Apollo, the god of prophecy, truth, the sun, among others. Loxian has six basic scripts or alphabets Ea, the water script, Pyrrho, the rain script, also called the vernal script, Lua, the shadow script of summer, Essa, the autumnal scripts of the winds, this particular season of scripts has many forms, Ju, the winter script, which has two visual alphabets, and Kan, the moon script or archer script. Now, I have no idea if I pronounced pr- pronounced those scripts correctly or not, because I am not fluent in Loxian, but uh, I wrote them out phonetically, so hopefully I pronounced them properly. Uh, Roma Ryan uh, explained the song's meaning as, quote, the Loxian gates reminisces on the beauty of the seasons of the earth they left behind and tells of their own seasons. It reminds the Loxians that life should be appreciated as it is lived, for the journey is as important as the final destination. Now, if this sounds weird, it is weird. Because Enya's weird and this created language is weird. But that's what makes it so special and what makes it so fun. Um, you know, Enya is a ethereal singer. She's sung in Gaelic. And even when she sings in English, it sounds like a foreign language. Because, you know, the only... Enya is like the... How can I describe her? If we say that Björk is like the mastermind of quirky, ethereal music, Enya is like the the classical, more radio-friendly version of of that vibe. Think Celtic Moods, that CD that was sold on um, infomercials back in the 90s. Soothing spa music like that's kind of what Enya's vibe is and the fact that she was so inspired to want to sing a song in a language that didn't exist that she had her friend create it for her is just too amazing for words so as much as you know I'm gonna I'm gonna honestly like the Loxian Gate isn't necessarily one of my favorite Enya songs I mean I'm not a huge Enya fan um I do like Enya. There are some songs of hers that I really do like. Generally, I like Enya, the idea of Enya more than her music. But when I was putting together the playlist for this foreign language um, episode and playlist, uh, I remembered that, oh yeah, Enya created her own language. Let's feature one of those songs. And I believe there are only two songs that she's ever sung or released uh, in Loxian. Uh, and the Loxian gate was the one that I chose for this playlist. So if you like it, maybe you'll want to learn Loxian yourself. Um, probably not. But uh, if this inspires you to listen to more Enya, then awesome. Please do. Track 18 is Catch You, Catch Me by Gumi. This is the opening song to the anime series Cardcaptor Sakura. It is sung by Megumi Hinata, under her pseudonym, Gumi, and I became a huge anime fan in the late 90s, early 2000s. You know, I could talk about that for hours. Uh, And Cardcaptor Sakura is one of the cuter uh, animes that I loved to watch. I still love to watch it. It is recently available on Netflix. So in the past couple months, I've rewatched, you know, the, the series on Netflix, and it's just as cute as ever. Cardcaptor Sakura is very special, as uh, a special memory to me, because when I lived with my best friend, Sarah, uh, back in Michigan, when I was a young teacher, still in grad school, and we were living together, you know, we're fresh out of college and living together on our own, um, I would watch anime in my room, and I would invite her to come in my room to watch it with me and we'd watch Sakura together and so I love that show because of those memories and Catch You Catch Me is the song that played as the title of every single episode so back then we watched Cardcaptor Sakura on VHS or I maybe mean, it was DVD I'm not sure it was DVD yet but um it wasn't easy skippable. You couldn't skip the intros like you can on Netflix. So we would hear catch you, catch me over and over and over again. Every time we watched Cardcaptor Sakura. So that's why I wanted to include it on this playlist. And it leads me to track 19 groovy by Konmi Hiroshi, which is the ending song that plays on every episode of Cardcaptor Sakura. Um, Komi Hiroshi also wrote the lyrics and arranged the song, and it's the song that plays at the end of every episode of Cardcaptor Sakura. So I've gathered, and I'm pretty certain that this is right, anime series will have title tracks and ending tracks that have nothing to do with the show. Like, they're not written for the show necessarily, they are, you know, songs that are tapped on at the beginning or the ends, and sometimes they're different, like in this. So Cardcaptor Sakura has Catch You, Catch Me as the opening title track, and Groovy is the ending title track. Um, so those two together, very special to me because of Captor Sakura, and um, I couldn't pick one over the other, so that's why I picked them both. So that's track 18 and track 19. And track 20... The final track on this playlist is There is a Light That Never Goes Out. In Spanish, sung by Sweet and Tender Hooligans. There is a Light That Never Goes Out is a Smith song, which is one of the biggest anthems. One of the best Smith songs ever. Probably my favorite Smith song. Um, I want to say, okay, so I'm probably not going to do this, but... I had in mind, uh, you know, I have enough tattoos on my body where I'm happy. But you're always thinking about, like, maybe I should get another tattoo. And I always thought it would be cool and maybe kind of like, I don't know, macho or whatever, to get, like, a tattoo on my chest. And (laughs) and, um, what, what I imagined I would do is I would get... There is a light that never goes out tattooed on my chest plate in like old English font looking super cool, super cholo. Um, The idea of like this badass looking tattoo with a Smith's lyric of like one of their, you know, mopey dopey songs is just too ironically brilliant. So it's an idea that I've thought about. I don't think I'm actually going to do it. But if I do it, there you go. You'll know it's something I've been thinking about for many, many years. Because There is a Light That Never Goes Out is one of my favorite Smith songs. Now, this version, uh, sung by Sweet and Tender Hooligans. Sweet and Tender Hooligans is a uh, Los Angeles band, which was formed in 1992. Jose Maldonado is the lead singer. And they began playing Smith's covers as an answer to the band's uh, dissolution in 1987. So I am a Smith fan, but Jose Maldonado is like the biggest Smiths fan. Like, he is such a big Smiths fan that he became the Mexican Morrissey. He and Sweet and Tender Hooligans play nothing but Smiths covers, and he he sounds very much like Morrissey. He has the bouffant. I've seen Sweet and Tender Hooligans in concert many times. Um... Jose Maldonado DJs um, a Smiths dance party every three months here in L.A. And it's always super packed. Like, L.A. loves Morrissey, loves the Smiths. So it's no surprise that uh, one of the Smiths' biggest fans, Sweet and Dead Hooligans, and Jose Maldonado hail from Los Angeles here in Los Angeles. Uh, The original song was written by guitarist Johnny Marr and singer Morrissey, It is featured on the band's third studio album, The Queen is Dead, uh, and it was not released as a single in the United Kingdom until 1992, five years after the band split. It peaked at number 25 on the UK singles chart and number 22 on the Irish singles chart. The song has received considerable critical acclaim. In 2014, NME listed it as the 12th greatest song of all time. Marr commented on the song's enduring popularity saying, quote, I didn't realize that There is a Light That Never Goes Out was going to be an anthem, but when we first played it, I thought it was the best song I'd ever heard. And he is right. It is anthemic. It is a beautiful song. It is this depressing love song. Um, whenever it is played in concert, so I've seen Morrissey many times in concert, and I've seen Johnny Marr many times in concert, and they both perform this song in their sets. And it's usually at the end of the, the the show, and it's oftentimes the encore, and everybody sings along, and it's just a quintessential Smith song. So, again, this Spanish cover is awesome. It is a very good uh, adaptation of the uh, original song. I don't believe that the lyrics translate exactly to the original English lyrics, but the the title does. Es una luz que nunca pagará, or however it's pronounced in Spanish. Um, Again, my Spanish, I'm sorry. It's embarrassing. I apologize to my Spanish brethren out there, Spanish-speaking brethren, my Hispanoids, my Latinx people. Um, yeah, I really was just looking for a fantastic song to close out this playlist. And as I mentioned, There's a Light That Never Goes Out is such a great closing track. And um, and then I remember that Sweet and Tender Hooligans recorded a version of this song in Spanish on a Smith's Tribute album, And thankfully, it's available on streaming, so I can include it here on this playlist. So, there you have it, folks. Those are my 20 favorite uh, foreign language songs that um, I've loved for many, many years. Some of them, you know, since the 90s. Some of them in the past year. Um, Yeah, uh, I mean... What can I say? If, if, uh, if any of these songs sound interesting to you, I implore you to check out the artist's full catalog. Um, these are just really, really great songs. And it's a testament to the power of music that a song can grab your attention, can make you fall in love with it without you even understanding what the song is about. Music is magic, melody and harmony uh, has a power that is like indescribable. And I mean, that's that's really all I can say. Like all of these songs grabbed me in ways that were unexpected. They're songs that, you know, I'm not going to go look for a Turkish song. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to what's a great Turkish song? Like, I'm not going to necessarily do that. These songs found their way to me for one reason or another. And they made such indelible mark on me that they have remained favorites of mine over the years. And um, when taken in some, I was like, yeah, that's something that I want to talk about and something I want to share with the listeners of Spooky Electric. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, You can head over to Spotify to listen to these songs in full and let me know what you think. I hope you love them. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, I will be coming back at you next time with another episode of Spooky Electric. So until then, hola, adios, au revoir, bye. Each episode of Spooky Electric has a playlist that I have created for each individual episode. The playlist can be found on my Spotify account, Trent Venegas, in the playlist folder titled Spooky Electric. The playlist track listings are listed on the Spooky Electric Instagram at Spooky Electric, where the O's are zeros. S-P-0-0-K-Y-E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C